It's the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min and we are live. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiu, and I'm delighted to be joined once again by the brilliant Dan Potts. Dan, how are you, sir? It's been a little bit of a while, hasn't it? Yeah, it has been, man. Um, I don't know what I'm looking forward to, man, is the international break, believe it or not, just because I don't have to get stressed out every weekend trying to watch Granite Chaka play football, do you know what I mean? So it's got to a stage now where I can actually uh, sit and relax this weekend. Formula One starting, which I'm a massive fan of. And do you know what? Formula One uh, is kind of the, uh, along with horse racing, it's probably the only thing that hasn't changed since the spectators ain't there because you can't really notice the crowds unless you're actually there. So, um, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to uh, to the, uh, getting towards the weekend. But, um England tonight, see what happens with uh, San Marino. It should be a tough fixture. <laughs> it's been one and a half minutes we've been on air for. Probably about 30 seconds of that, I would attribute to the intro. And he's already got a granite jacket digging. There you go. Dan Potts on top form for you. Um, we are coming to you, for those of you watching us live, uh, a little bit later than normal. Uh, unfortunately, got really busy with work this afternoon um, and figured that there was no point in just uh, cramming in a show um, for the sake of it, without doing the homework, without doing the preparation. Uh, so I thought we'd delay it. And here we are now. And I can see that there are plenty of you in the live chat who don't normally get to join us live, but are joining us live now because, of course, the time is slightly different. So a big welcome to all of you guys. Big welcome and hello to all the usual suspects in the chat box as well. Love to see you all. And Matt G, uh, one of our members, says, Harry and Dan, I love a lively debate. I'm sure, Matt, that is what you're going to get in this next uh, 40 minutes or so. So let's uh, let's get into it. What we're going to be doing on this edition of the podcast is we're going to be running through the players that Arsenal currently have out on loan. And we're not going to talk about uh, some of the less high profile ones. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. We're going to be talking about those who have been in and around the first team and are now finding themselves out on loan. How are they getting on? And do we see them having a future at Arsenal? And I already know for a fact, just based on uh, some other podcasts that I've seen Dan on in the last few days, that there's going to be some disagreements here. So I look forward to getting into them. So let's start with Lucas Torreira. Of the players that we are talking about, Lucas Torreira is the one, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, I'm pretty sure. No, there's one other one, uh, but he's one of the top two in terms of what we laid out uh, to bring him to the club. Of course, Brought to the Emirates Stadium from Sampdoria in 2018 for around about 25 million. We had really high hopes for him. However, um, it's since come to light that Unai Emery, who was the boss at the time, didn't want him in the first place. He was after somebody else. He was after Steven and Zonzi, a player who plays in a similar position, but of course is of a completely different build and profile. So it's clear to me, Dan, that things didn't really work out for Lucas Torreira at Arsenal for a number of reasons. 
Um, the fact that he wasn't the first choice, the fact that he was homesick, the fact that he was in and out of the side, I think the change in management didn't really help him either, um, having said what I said about Emery. But he's at Atletico Madrid now, working under Diego Simeone, and Atletico, of course, sit top of La Liga at the moment. Very difficult to argue with Simeone's team selections, given that they are top of the league, but he's not given... Lucas Torreira much of a sniff. I think, if I'm not mistaken, he's only started in the league three times this season. Um, so are you a little bit disappointed with how it's gone for Lucas Torreira, first of all? And do you see him having a future at Arsenal? I'm really disappointed because <clears throat> I blame one man for Lucas Torreira. I blame Muna Emery because I don't believe that this guy was ever a number 10. <laughs> and he played him in that position because he was clueless tactically at times when he first come to the club he was that anchor in midfield he was that little tenacious kind of ankle biter you know his little ball like this did not stop running real workhorse great bite great tackle broke up play and was actually a really good passer of the football and I remember against Spurs when we won 4-2 and he got that winner he was absolutely sensational that game. He was my man of the match. And I thought to myself, this is a player now that we finally got to anchor our midfield. He's not got the presence that I like, but he's doing a good job. And because he scored that goal, you know, Emery decided that he was a Eden Hazard or a Kevin De Bruyne. And I never understood why that was, because the reason he was playing so well was because he was not one of those players. I think that what happened since then was that not only knocked his confidence, but it disillusioned him when he was playing in, and, and, and disorientated him when playing in that midfield. And all of a sudden, his attributes just were completely, um, uh, what's the word, completely opposite to what he has, had been doing previously for probably the first six months of his Arsenal career. And then since then, when Arteta came in, he started to play him in that position, which was was working for him. But I think then it was kind of too late and his head was already looking elsewhere. I think he was probably looking at going back to Italy, where I think he's settled. I think his wife is Italian and, and want, is a bit homesick. He's definitely not settled into Simeone's plans and he's not a real Simeone-type player. That I was a bit shocked that he'd gone there. I imagine it was something to do with us grabbing Thomas party. But I don't quite think that I see a future with Lucas Torreri here in an Arsenal shirt because sometimes, Harry, you have to just accept that it hasn't worked out. And I don't think we can say hand on heart that it has worked out. I expect him to be sold in the summer. Yeah, me too. Um, me too. And and it's not to take away from Lucas Torreira's qualities, because I think if you if if you as a manager uh, can put your arm around Lucas Torreira, you can create an environment in which he feels comfortable. You know, some players need more of that than, than others. And he strikes me as someone that needs that. Uh, he was massively uh, influenced by his coach at Sampdoria. Um, you know, he had a, a really good time there um, and, and he had really good people around him. And, and that's why he thrived. You mentioned the possibility of Lucas Torreira going back to Italy. I still think that that's probably the most likely destination for him in terms of a permanent move. Because believe it or not, and, and from covering a fair amount of Italian football, I, I know this, he still is held in very high esteem over in Italy, despite the fact that it's not gone quite well. The narrative very much is in Italy. Well, Torreira, you know, we know he's talented. We know he can impact teams. We know he's, he's got something about him. It just hasn't worked out in the Premier League and now at Atletico for whatever reason. But I guess my final question to you, Dan, on this, because I, I think we agree that it's time to cash in on Lucas Torreira and move on from him, um, is what would it take in terms of a monetary value, in terms of an asking price? How much do you want somebody to table in the summer before you're saying, here you go, you can have Lucas for that? 
it's very hard to take what 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 we got back for him because it hasn't worked out for him. I wouldn't have thought he'd gone up in price. I think we got him for around about 26 million. So I would say 20 million would be probably about right. Um, I could see him going over to Napoli and potentially replacing Alan, who went to Everton. Fiorentina, I think, are interested. Or he might even go back to Sampdoria. Who knows? I think he'll go over to Serie A. And I think, I think between 20 and 25 million, I think we'd accept that. I would say that we're going to struggle <laughs> to get that. I, I really do. I, I think the Serie A clubs have been hit by the pandemic far harder than the, the Premier League clubs because, of course, the TV money isn't quite there. Um, you know, I, I would, if somebody offered me 15 million, I would take it now, just based on on the situation we're in. And, and I know I'd rather take, obviously, what you're quoting. Um, mm. But I, I just feel that that's a little bit, I, I don't know, I'd love to see it. How but old is he? Is he 20, 26, something like that? Let me just double Can't check. Be old, can I, he? I he's not no, old. He's not he's like not, late. I don't think he's late 20. 25, late 20. 25. There we go. So he's 25. So I still think he's got that on his side. I'd like to think we could try and get close to that. Yeah, 15 to 20, I think we've got to say with a pandemic is realistic, maybe. Um, yeah. We're certainly not going to get any more than 20 million, in my opinion. So, Yeah, 15 to 20 then. We're agreed. Um, <laughs> Andrew S says, uh, don't remember him playing as a 10. He's a decent midfielder, probably not well suited to the PL. It's not easy to get games at Atletico. They're a huge club, good team. I agree with you. It's not easy to get games at Atletico. He did play a few times in a more advanced position um, on, uh, when he was being asked to be the furthest forward of the midfielders. It did happen. Not a, a great deal, but it did happen. And I remember also uh, scratching my head off the back of that as well. Um, some of you in the chat suggesting 20 to 25. John says 25. Shiro says 20 to 25. Matt agrees with me. I think we'll only get... 15 for him. Right, let's uh, let's move on. So we're agreed that Lucas Torreira uh, should probably be sold this summer. Let's move on uh, to a player who actually divides opinion, and that is Matteo Genduzzi, currently on loan at Hertha Berlin. Um, obviously, concerns over his attitude are what have led to him being almost cast aside and sent out to Germany. Um, a 21-year-old who wears his heart on his sleeves uh, but at times, I think he's allowed his emotions to get the better of him. And and to say that that's me being unfair, I think is a little bit harsh because the current Hertha Berlin uh, boss has described him as a player who's going through football puberty, um, kind of showing that, you know, there is a lack of maturity there. He also said he's uh, he's got a rebellious streak. But I don't think, and I got, I put this article out today on Twitter and I had someone who claims to watch her to Berlin every single week uh, tell me that <laughs> <laughs> tell me that he he has been brilliant I don't think he has from what I've seen um, but he is someone I still believe has potential so Dan what would you be looking to do with Matteo Genduzzi is it time we bring him back or would you be looking to cash in on him bear in mind as well that Matteo Genduzzi's contract at Arsenal expires at the end of next season. So it feels like now or never in terms of trying to sell him. So I'll talk about what I think is going to happen and I'll say what I would like to see happen. So I think what's going to happen is this guy's going to get sold because I don't see him having a future under this manager. Yeah, nothing to do with a future at Arsenal. I don't see him having a future under this manager. People think that Matuea Guendouzi was, was fallen out of favour because of what happened to Brighton. It's got nothing to do with what happened to Brighton. Agreed. It has clearly been something that's happened in training or something that's happened off the field or both for this manager to fall out of love with him because we've seen it sometimes and I've been critical of Arteta with this. He has mismanaged players. As far as I'm, I'm aware, 
I don't believe he has mismanaged Gwenduzi because he's had reason, we believe, to feel that he has not respected him or the team or the way that the club should be run. <clears throat> he hasn't fitted into that attitude, so he's been told to find another club. There was no way that they were going to get anybody for him, so he's gone on loan. He's going to come back and he will be sold because of what you just said lastly. His contract is set to expire. He is not going to sign a contract under this manager, in my opinion. So I think he'll go. However, I'd like to see him stay. And the reason I'd like to see him stay is because I think there's a player in there. I think there's a player that needs to be somebody who is growing up with a team um, with certain individuals around them that I believe we have got now at the club. I don't think we had them before. I'd like to see him next to Thomas Party. I'd like to see him with the likes of Saka and Smith-Rowe surrounding him. I'd like to see him with Kieran Tierney's and Erdegaards and just see what happens. I don't think we are in a position where we can just see what happens because otherwise we're going to end up potentially losing him on a free. However, saying that, when he first comes to the club, Harry, I thought we had a player who could, if we sold him tomorrow, could have been about 45, 50 million. Now, I think we've got someone who, like you said uh, previously, is going to be between 15 and 25 million if we're lucky. Um, and I'm not so sure that Hertha Berlin want him, so he can't have been that great. I saw him have three or four games on. Um, whenever I go to my dad's, he's got BT Sport, and there's always Bundesliga on there. And I've seen four games with Hertha Berlin, and he played really well. The best game he had was against Dortmund. He looked absolutely class. He scored an absolute worldie, I think, against Stuttgart. Frankfurt, uh, Frank, I can't remember who it was now. Absolute great goal. Um, and he has got a couple on the score sheet um, this season. But he's had a handful of games, probably you can count on one hand. I believe he's better than Ceballos. I believe he's better uh, than El Nini. <clears throat> and I think that there's not much. It's completely different to Granite Chaka. But obviously, I would rather have Guendouzi in there. Um, but I don't think it's going to happen. So I think this one is going to be a player sale for around 15, 20 million again. And I think we'd probably be wise to take it, if I'm honest with you. I like what he brings. I think he's got tenacity. I think he's passionate. I like that fight that he shows on the pitch, personally. But I don't actually think we will get to a stage where we see him in an Arsenal shirt again. And it is sad because he looked like he was going to be great when he came. I think he's got all the attributes to be great. I think he's got the attributes physically. Um, tactically, I think he's lacking a little bit. And I, I, I've i said this about Mikel... Uh, I was going to say Mikel Arteta. I'd been saying this about Matteo Genduzzi prior to that Brighton incident, prior to Mikel Arteta even taking over. I felt like at times he was a bit of a headless chicken. He'd get drawn into situations... He didn't need to be drawn into and it's great to be all action and it's great to impose yourself on games. But I thought at times he left us um, exposed in certain areas. And I don't think, especially when he was playing a, a alongside Xhaka, who isn't mobile, um, you, you take that into consideration. And the fact that the team were not set up, I don't think, as defensively well as they are now. I think that's partly why... You, you know, you've seen an improvement in some of the other players around there as well because the tactical indiscipline is gone. Um, the indiscipline on the training ground is obviously a big thing. And I, when I look at what happened between, or what was alleged to have happened between Mikel Arteta and Matteo Guendouzi, I, I look at Guendouzi and I think if this guy was right now a top world-class midfielder and I was the manager in those shoes, maybe... I'd consider giving him a second chance. But I don't think he's good enough for Mikel Arteta to drop his principles and drop the whole, if you piss around, you're out kind of thing. You know, because I think bringing Guendouzi back and then all of a sudden playing him every single week, I think would set the wrong president unless he really has changed. And from speaking to people um, 
you know, I, I don't get that impression. And that's the evidence that we've seen doesn't tell me that, you know, he has really changed from that sort of adolescent, immature player. And, and you know, people talk about him being one of Hertha Berlin's most important players. Hertha Berlin are languishing down the bottom of the Bundesliga. They're almost in the relegation zone. He's only been in the starting 11 65% of the time. So he's not started every single week for them either. So I agree. Uh, Matteo Guendouzi, especially given his contract situation, I think he should probably be sold. Um, I think around about 15 million um, is is probably realistic. Again, I'm almost shaving £5 million off of the, the prices I would have given them previously because of the pandemic. Mm. Because you're talking about, you know, people, and I said it already, and I, I've said it on so many podcasts lately, I probably, I'm getting sick of saying it and people are probably sick of hearing it. But the the impact of this pandemic has been felt far worse in other countries. And I don't think a Premier League club is going to come in for Mateo Genduzzi. I think the likes of him and Torreira are best suited to going out on the continent. So let's see. But we both agree uh, on that one as well, that um, probably because of the circumstances, it's right to move him on. Someone who I don't want to see moved on, though, is William Saliba, of course. Um had a really difficult start to the season. Hasn't made a single competitive appearance for Arsenal. Um, there was a deal in place, we were led to believe, at the end of the <coughs> summer window that was going to take him back to St Etienne. We didn't get that done in time. And he spent essentially the first half of the season doing nothing. I don't think he, he helped himself by coming out and, and saying some of the things he did. Um, but he is at Nice now and he is playing well from what we're reading and what we're hearing. Um, he is someone, isn't he, Dan, that you'd imagine would mm. feature heavily in the plans for next season? <clears throat> I'd like to see him given a shot. I really would. And when he came out and said them things, that proved to me this manager didn't fancy him because everyone was saying that this manager was he's, he's wisely, he's agreed with him, that he's not ready to play. He's had a lot happen in his personal life, needs to go back to France. And I was buying it, you know, I was buying it at the start. I thought maybe it's right. Maybe, you know, when you lose a parent at a 19, 20 year old, you get to a stage where you need to go back home and be close to family. And then when he was bringing that stuff up on, I saw a video of him and Lacazette and they said, you know, name a French player playing for Arsenal. Lacazette said Saliba. He said, I haven't played for him yet. Um, and there was like, I laughed about it. Then a couple of weeks later, he'd come out and said, I don't know why, but I'm fit. He's not playing me. And I'm thinking, so this is the manager then. He just doesn't like him, rate him, whatever it be, for whatever reason. Now, I wouldn't mind if we had, you know, the 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 um, strength in depth that we do in some other positions. But we were poor at the time with Mustafi and Socrates still here. David Luiz, like, making ridiculous mistakes. Um, different partners every single game. We're seeing Gabriel, Marie, Holden, Luiz. And I'm thinking, this guy, if he's as good as people are saying, should be playing first-team football. Now, Fofana was doing it at Leicester, who, by the way, was nowhere near as good as Saliba, apparently. And now he's gone out to Nice, and he's killing it, apparently. Like, man-of-the-match performances, different league, easier team, perhaps. Maybe opposition's a bit different. But you've still got to put in regular, consistent performances. And from what I'm hearing, and from what I'm seeing of what I've seen of him, yeah, he is. He's doing very, very well. He's a right-sided... Um, centre-back apparently, but he has been playing on the left-hand side for Nice at times. <clears throat> so he can play both both positions there, OK? I would like to see him partnered with Gabriel next season if we're not going to go and buy another centre-half, which I've got a feeling that we might do. But I would 100% be bringing this guy back. Um, he was 27 million, something like that. 
So yep. this wasn't a, a seven million or Guendouzi or Martinelli signing. This was that's a lot of money for a, for an 18, 19 year old. So he was obviously highly rated by whoever scouted him and the scouts over in France. So if he's getting compared to Lillian Sharams of this era, I believe he deserves a chance in the first team, particularly in a position that I think we're still at times weak. So I'd love to see him and Gabriel partnered next season. Harry, I'd keep him and bring him back ASAP. The only thing I would say about the Saliba deal, right? And I think that a lot of people got carried away by his level because of the fact that we paid such a hefty amount for him. What I would say is that was one of the deals that that Raul Sanley was alleged to be involved in. And we know that since then, <laughs> he's been found to have spent stupid money in stupid places and he's been pushed out the door. Now, Nicolas Pepe was another example of a player who I think has got ability, by the way, and I think can be a good player for Arsenal. And I think we're starting to see that now. No, I like Pepe. But, I like him. Yeah, yeah me, me too. But 72 million was excessive. Mm. And I feel like with Saliba, and, and I hope he does come and prove his worth, but I feel like we've maybe been sucked in a little bit by the price tag here. The, the, the point for me is that, you know, I don't want Mikel Arteta to be a slave to the prices that Arsenal have paid for players previously. This deal was done under a previous regime. And if Mikel Arteta decides for whatever reason that he doesn't think that William Saliba is good enough uh, to be playing, I don't want him to be driven by that price tag because he's got nothing to do with him. I want him to make the decision purely based on football. So in an ideal world, given the club's current financial state, Given the fact that we paid £27 million for him, I'd love to see him come back into the side, prove himself. He's got potential, but potential is nothing if you don't fulfil it. So I want to see him come in and do that. But if it comes to the point where Arsenal feel it isn't working, like they've obviously felt in the past where they felt he wasn't ready, I'm, I haven't seen enough of the guy to sit there and argue the opposite. So I'm going to give the club and Mikel Arteta the benefit of the doubt on this one. And if it doesn't work out, then it's another write-off, isn't it? It's another load of money we wasted, but there's not much we can do about it now. But he is going to come back and he he is clearly part of the plans. I just wonder whether after saying all the things he said and after feeling the way he's felt towards Mikel Arteta, can that relationship be mended? Can it be good enough for them both to thrive off the back of it? Or is there going to be a bit of bad feeling? That's down to Arteta to manage that um, properly. And it's it's another test for a a young manager still making his way. Uh, Let's move on to Ainsley Maitland-Niles, of course, currently on loan uh, at West Bromwich Albion. Actually made his name at Arsenal filling in as a fullback. Has been vocal throughout his Arsenal career about the fact he wants to play midfield. We're led to believe that he chose to join West Brom over Southampton because Sam Allardyce was able to provide him with guarantees he would play in that position. But me personally, Dan, I think going there was a mistake. I think the game has passed him by at West Brom because of how bad the side are. And I think actually what this move has done is actually killed his stock. And I think his value has dipped now rather than increased. How do you see it with with Maitland-Niles, and would you keep him? He's a player I really like because he'll play in any position. He's a player that I think should have been treated better by the manager, and I don't think that he's been treated right at all. But the thing I'll say about him is, there's two things. He should have gone to Wolves, in my opinion, in the summer, and we should have allowed him to go to Wolves. Because um, what I'm, from what I understand is he, 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 it wasn't him not wanting to go, it was that Arteta was begging to keep him because of how well he was, uh, was playing in the FA Cup run. So when he stayed, he didn't get a game. 
And he wasn't even getting a game at right back or left back or centre mid or attacking mid or right wing or left wing, which are all positions you can play in. And I didn't understand why, because he was first team in the FA Cup. And all of a sudden after that, no. Was it that we swapped playing three at the back? Potentially. But we were still playing free at the back for quite some time at the start of the season. And he still wasn't getting in the team ahead of Bellerins and Cedrics and Tierneys and whoever's. So I understand why he wanted to go on loan. The reason I'd like to keep him in there is because I've seen him playing for West Brom in the in the centre midfield. And they are a poor side, absolutely. However, I believe he has got the attributes and the athleticism to do a job for Arsenal in there. I don't think he's a first-team starter. I don't think he's going to lead us to glory. But he's certainly a player that I would like to see in the squad. If AZ Maitland-Niles wants to leave for first-team football, I would look for a move for him. But if he's happy to come back and try to fight for his place in the middle there, then I think we should do it. So for me, this one is on the player. I would like to keep Ainsley Maitland-Niles, personally. I think if we were to sell him, then I think we're looking at roughly what we were going for because he's English and because he's young um, and because he can play in certain positions. I think we should be looking between um, 15 and 20 million to try and get rid of Ainsley Maitland-Niles. I'd sell him for 15. Um, And the reason I'd sell him is because we talk about his versatility but he obviously wasn't happy being that man. He wasn't happy being that utility man, which is why he's ultimately uh, gone out on loan. I think you you made a great point about the system switch. I think the system switch definitely hasn't worked in Ainsley Maitland-Niles' favour because I don't think he's a fullback. I think he can play. He can get away with being a wing back, but a fullback's role is different. And there was what was it, Crystal Palace at home? where he played mm. at left back and he had an absolute disaster. And I'm not saying you should judge him on that one particular game, but that just kind of confirmed to me that he is not a fullback and he is a... He played, so we played against Everton, he got man of the match, didn't he? I know we lost that game, but he got, he got man of the match. And then five weeks later, he plays left back against Palace and was shocking, or Newcastle, whatever, whoever it was you just said. He was awful, like really bad. That's not good management for me. So I don't think he's always been treated great. Maybe not, but do we have to take into consideration that, you know, we talked about Gwendouzi and maybe what's gone on behind the scenes there. It wouldn't be the, like me saying this is, I'm not the first person to say that maybe Ainsley Maitland-Nazi's attitude is not quite where it needs to be. Because, I mean, I always always compare him to Bukayo Saka. I think Bukayo Saka's more talented than him. And I think that's ultimately why he's made it and Maitland-Nazi hasn't at Arsenal. But, you look at Bukayo Saka, somebody who came into the side not playing in his preferred position, right? He's a winger and we were playing him at left back and he'd done a job at left back, Bukayo Saka, to the point where he got his Premier League experience. He got game time under his belt and now he's proven himself and he's shown himself to be a willing contributor to the team, even when it's not in his ideal position. And now he is thriving in the position that he wants to play in. Whereas Ainsley Maitland-Niles, Yes, did well, came into the team, plugged the hole for a while. But throughout that time was constantly complaining about the Mm. fact that he was playing out of position when, in my opinion, he wasn't good enough. It hasn't ever shown anything to say he's a future Arsenal first teamer. He was plugging a hole. And, And for me, at a young age, if you're developing and building and you're getting to play for a massive club like Arsenal, that's a privilege. And you should see it like that. Look, I, I agree with you that he can do different jobs. And I think that you know, I think Mikel Arteta perhaps will keep him, but I'm not sure about him in centre midfield. Not sure enough that if somebody came and tabled a 15 million pound bid on him, I could turn it away. Um, 
So my he's in danger of being like an Oloxade Chamberlain, where he just never really settles into a position yeah. and just kind of, yeah, he's got potential he's, to do that. Yes. He he's in danger of becoming a jack of all trades and master of none. The classic yeah. utility player who never actually nails down one position and just becomes like a bit like a Phil Neville. Phil Neville's a good example of that. Mm. What was he? A right back, a centre midfielder, yeah. feeling sent like nobody really knows. And that's the that's the problem uh, with somebody like Ainsley Maitland-Niles. So you'd keep him, I'd sell him. Let's move on uh, to the next one, uh, just conscious of time. And the next one is uh, Joe Willock. Currently on loan at Newcastle United, he scored... Um, he scored one goal in the Premier League for Newcastle, but that's not really, um, doesn't really tell the full story given they've only managed six league goals overall since he joined them. Um, but he did get three goals and three assists for Arsenal in the Europa League in the group stage. But he was unable, wasn't he, I think, to replicate that form when given opportunities in the Premier League. Is this just a classic case of someone who Europa League in the group stage was his level, elevate that to the Premier League and maybe he's just not quite at, at that standard. This guy needs to go, man. I, I, I've never liked Joe Willock. I've never seen what's so great about him. Sometimes he does those late, late runs into the box and, and puts it in. But when you look at the opposition, it, it, it's normally the, the plumbers and the gardeners that he's putting them in, not against United's and Chelsea's. I don't really like the guy. Um, he hasn't really got the physical stature, in my opinion. I see him quite lightweight. His shot is really taps it to the goalkeeper. I just don't think the guy is going to make it at Arsenal. And listen, I wish him all the best of luck because he looks like a good kid and he looks like he's got his right head on his shoulders. He's level-headed. He's not an arrogant one. I hope he does well at a tight team like Newcastle. It looked like he was good when he first had it scored on his debut, but they've just gone. he's just gone downhill with, with Newcastle, <laughs> if I'm honest. So I don't really look at it and think that he's going to be one of these that stay as a mainstay at Arsenal and, and will make it Arsenal. So I'd look to sell... We're probably not going to look to get much much for him, mate. I, I, I wouldn't have thought we'd get any more than 10 million tops, if I'm honest with you. I don't think he's great at all, Joe Willock. I don't know what you think. Yeah, I, I'm of the same opinion. Uh, anything you get for Joe Willock uh, would be a bonus. Like you said, I think he's a good kid. I think he, he always gives 100% when he plays. I, I like the late runs into the box. But you can't play him in that number 10 role because he doesn't have enough guile, doesn't have enough creativity to do that. And I don't think he's disciplined enough to play as one of the deeper midfield pivots. So I don't really know where he would fit in at Arsenal. And for that reason, I'd take, even if six, seven million was on the table, I think I'd take it for Joe Willock um, and I'd move him on. Again, great guy. Hope he smashes it in the future, but just don't see it being at Arsenal. Uh, let's move on to another player, uh, Gostandinos Mavrobanos, who is currently on loan at Stuttgart in the Bundesliga. Spent last season on loan with FC Nuremberg uh, and returned back to Germany uh, this time with Stuttgart. Even people in Greek football, Dan, were shocked when Arsenal signed this guy because even over there, he was a relatively unknown quantity, right? And all of a sudden, he gets this big move to Arsenal, goes out on loan. We've had a couple of looks at him. People, again, in my opinion, overhype what he's doing in Germany. He's been okay. He's been solid at times. Um, but if I just bring it up here on my screen, just to make sure I'm not feeding you guys false information, you know, and you've got to take into consideration he had an injury that kept him out for about a month. But aside from that, he's only started 50% of the games for Stuttgart, right? So he's not by any means one of the first names on the team sheet. 
Um, he's got a good relationship with Sven Mislintat, as is pointed out in the chat by uh, Chef CG as well. Hope you're good, man. Um, I I just look at him and I look at our current situation and I look at the fact we've got Gabriel, David Luiz, Holding, Pablo Marie and Saliba to come back. Callum Chambers is in the mix again, who can play at centre-back too. And I just feel like this guy's got no chance because the, the path is or that particular area is too congested. Arsenal too well stopped there. I'd move him on. I'd sell him. Um, would you like to have another look at him in an Arsenal shirt, though? I like him. I like him. Um, when he was under Arsene Wenger, when Sven Miston started him, I thought he had three or four really good games. I think he got sent off in one of them, mind you, but he looked really good in a couple that I see him. Because against Man United, I think he got man of the match. At Old Trafford, I thought he was outstanding. Came in at the Emirates for a couple of games, and I thought, this guy looks steady, Eddie. He looks like just what we need. Now, at the time, it might have been because everyone else was shambolic, but he definitely looked a decent centre-half and an old-school centre-half. One of those ones that just gets it out quite kind of strong, had some presence and command at the back. From what I hear, Sven Mislintat is obviously a huge fan and has gone to Stuttgart where he now is on loan. I would like to see him. However, I take your point that we have about 200 centre-backs, so we need to clear out who we do want. Now, I don't think many of those are good enough, and everyone loves Holden and Chambers. Holden and Chambers have not had one cap for England. If you cannot get one cap for England at the moment when Harry Maguire is your best centre-half, then as far as I'm concerned, bro, they both need to be sold. I don't care that Holden's been our amazing centre-back. Where is he now? He's nowhere to be seen. The guy's not good enough. Callum Chambers is not quick enough and has mistakes in him. Both of those need to be sold. So I look at it now and think I would rather see Mavropanos than I would David Luiz, Holden and Chambers, if I'm honest with you. But I don't see it. I think that we're going to get no money for this kid. He's 22, is he? And he's hardly played. So... Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna lose out on 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 um, the potential that this kid had, I think, because when he first came, he was obviously highly rated, and I think that Sven Mislintat had a lot to do with why he was so high hyped up because of the signings that he'd made previously. Um, yeah. But he hasn't actually done in an Arsenal shirt, in my opinion. So yeah, I'd look to get rid of him. I think, mate. You've also, I guess, from from my perspective, right that. All the things you mentioned about him being an old school centre half, he is a typical Greek centre half, right? If you <laughs> want to know what a Greek centre half plays football like, you look at Socrates, yeah? Very strong, very physical, very committed. We'll be like this in the referee's ear throughout the game. We'll be very vocal on the pitch. But technically, in terms of their ability to receive the ball, play the ball out from the back, they're lacking, they're missing something. And he is a classic case of that. So I also think stylistically, he doesn't quite fit into what Mikel Arteta is trying to do. He's very specific on what he wants from his centre-backs and I don't think that this guy can do that. Some will say he's done it okay in Germany and, and you know, there's been a lot of that, but ultimately you're not under the pressure that you'd be in the Premier League um, receiving the ball out from Bern Leno who can't pick out uh, pretty much anyone. So there, there you go. Or Bern Leno who likes to put people under pressure. So yeah, th think about that. Uh, when Very harsh, Harry, very harsh. No, Bern Leno, listen, he's a wonderful shot stopper. He would dig us out of holes with his brilliant saves. I'm not denying that. We talked about it on this week's bit of members content. So if you are a gold member or above, check it out. But his distribution leaves a lot to be desired. Uh, let's move on to the last player. 
Um, and the last player, and I know there are more that are out on loan from Arsenal at the moment, but as I said at the start, we're looking at the most high-profiled ones. We're looking at the ones who have featured regularly for the first team in the past or have been in and around the group. And the last one is uh, Sead Kolasinac, a player that I know Dan absolutely can't stand. Uh, so I'm going to come to you. Let's get this one out of the way, Dan. Um, you don't like him. Um, he's back on loan at Schalke, the club we signed him from. Um, he's not having a great time of it there. They've handed him the armband straight away, which tells you how desperate they were. Uh, but he does still have a contract at Arsenal until June 2022. So he is supposedly going to return um, at the end of this season. What would you be looking to do with him? Mate, this one's simple. You rip up that last year of his contract, pay him what the hell you need to pay him and get him the hell out of the club because this guy sucks. I can't stand him. He is awful at football. Can't defend, can't cross, can't go forward, uncomfortable on the ball, passes to people like Sun for them to go and score against us. I'm done with him. I've seen enough of the guy. He's dreadful. We need us. We need a left back cover for Tierney, 100%, but we don't need this dude. It worries me that he's still got a year, a year left if he does come back and Schalke can't afford him because they're clearly going down because they've signed Kalasanac and Mustafi, that's enough. Do you know, if they weren't going to go down, they definitely are now. Jesus. So they're just, they've just nailing their coffin by and signing those two absolute clowns. And they wonder why people are, they're going down. They've given one of them the armband, the other one's heading the ball in his net. I mean, it is, they suck, the both of them. I'm so glad to see the pair of them out. Get rid of him. I don't care if we don't get any money. Please leave my club. I can't stand him. He is by far the worst left-back Arsenal have ever had, mate. He's worse than Andre Santos. At least he can score or cross a ball. This guy is so bad, it is unbelievable. I mean, for me, <laughs> I don't think he's as bad as you think he is. Um, we've had debates on this before. I, I, I still feel that because Arsenal need a left-back, if we weren't to get a left-back in, in the summer, then I would keep him around the place as a... Oh. Emergency as an emergency because look, you've we, we're talking about letting Ainsley Maitland Niles go, we're talking about one of our I'd rather right be our back, back up left back. Yeah, Maitland Niles, you're, you're talking about the possibility of Bellerin moving on as well, so that means Cedric's going to be the right back, so he won't be able to cover that position as well. I'd keep him around the club for the final year if we can't shift him, but my preferred outcome here. And I think what probably will be the outcome is that Arsenal will do what they did with Mustafi, do what they did with Ozil, do what they did with Socrates and come to some sort of arrangement to let this guy leave um, and get that done straight away. Um, I think that is that is what is going to happen. And I think that's the best outcome. But I, I would also say that Ser Kalasinac is one of a number of players who I think is gets a harder time than he probably should. That's not to say he's good enough, it's not to say he's great. But there is, and I'm not saying with you, Dan, because you've been consistent about it and you've you've always said it about him, but there are some people that see him as part of that Ozil Mustafi click of people. And because of that, they'll never give him a chance again. But I agree that he should go and, and he represents an era that ultimately uh, we're trying to put behind us. So we've rounded it up. Uh, we've gone through uh, those uh, seven players and discussed their futures. Now it's over to Arsenal to actually get that business done. Um, and uh, fingers crossed, we're sitting here um, in the summer transfer window talking about those desired out those outcomes that we desire and talking about who Arsenal are going to bring in 
to replace them. But we're going to have to sit tight. Very difficult transfer window, this one coming up. It's still not known, um, you know, what... Um, what the, the window is going to look like in terms of people's ability to spend, in terms of how it's going to go. So we're going to have to sit patient, sit tight. Arsenal's qualification for Europe or not will no doubt have a big impact on what they're able uh, to go out and spend this summer as well. So lots and lots to play out between now and the end of the campaign. And from only then will we know how this uh, upcoming summer is going to look. But Dan, it's been brilliant. Thank you so much. We're going to let uh, you all go because I know everybody's dying to watch uh, England against the mighty San Marino this evening. Um, what a game that's going to be. I'm going to be watching Spain versus Greece instead. At least I one. I might join you, man. I might, I might join you for that game. At least, <laughs> at, at least one team in that game can play football. So it's, it's, it's worth it. Uh, but there you go. Uh, big hello to Kevin Campbell as well uh, in the live chat. Hope you're well. Uh, super KC. Kevin. Hope you're good, man. And a big hello to everyone else, of course, in there who has joined us throughout. Thank you for your interaction. Thank you for your kind words. Thank you for your comments. Don't forget to smash the like button on the way out. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. We're pushing for 13,000 now uh, here on YouTube. If you're listening via the audio, make sure you leave us a review and we'll be back tomorrow with some more Arsenal-related content. Until then, take care of yourselves and stay safe. Cheers. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.